Hello and welcome to episode 15 of the Metal Chat Podcast. My name is Melissa and I'm coming to you from Boston, Massachusetts. I'm here with my trusted co-host, Nate Kitty. As you may have noticed, tonight's episode started a little bit differently. There was no little snippet of intro music. That's because tonight's guest is from the band Smolder, and Sarah was kind enough to give me permission to play a couple of songs in their entirety, so that's what I'm going to do. But before we get started with that, as always, I want to reach out and thank everyone for their continued support. It is much appreciated. I also wanted to let you know that I got some feedback. So it turns out that a lot of people have been wondering what the songs are that I've been playing. The little snippets that I've done in between intros and, and outros and things like that. And I've not been very good about telling you guys who these bands are or what the song is. I'm going to be better about that. So I'm going to put together an episode for next week where I'm going to tell you guys everything that I have played so far, the bands, the name of the songs, and um, maybe a little bit more about why I picked that particular song or that particular band. So be looking for that next week. This episode, as I said, is an interview with a woman from Canada who is uh, probably somebody you might know if you watch Banger TV because she's a reviewer on Banger. She is also the lead singer for the band Smolder. They are an epic doom band. If you like power metal, if you like, like Halloween or Hammerfall, if you like a newer band, Atlantean Kotex comes to mind. They kind of remind me of them. If you like Iron Maiden, if you like uh, Ronnie James Dio, Black Sabbath and Rainbow and that kind of stuff, if you even lo- like old school Black Sabbath, Aussie-fronted Black Sabbath, they've got that doom thing going on. They're sort of a little bit of everything. They're traditional and they're they're doom and they're power metal and they're just a really, really great band. They incorporate a lot of different styles and really bring it, you know, fresh take to it, I think. They have an EP. It's called Times of Evil and Wild Daring. No, that's the full length. <laughs> the EP, excuse me, the EP is uh, Dream Quest Ends. The full length is Times of Obscene Evil and Wild Daring. Some of the songs from the EP are on the full length, uh, one of those songs we will be playing tonight. I do want to tell you that for some reason, this was a Skype call, and the very, very beginning, like where I'm like saying hello to her, somehow got cut off. I don't really know how, but you guys will get the idea. So first up, I'm going to play the song off the EP. It's called Dream Quest Ends. We're going to talk to Sarah. And then we're going to play The Sword Woman, which is from the EP, but also on the full length. And so with that, we are on to episode 15, my chat with Sarah Vincent.
never can pronounce your maiden name properly. <laughs> Everyone says that, but it says it's 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 spoken exactly how it's spelled, which is Kitteringham. Kitteringham. You yeah. might know her better as Kitteringham. Congratulations on your marriage. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Exciting and, change. <laughs> yes, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you guys might know Sarah from Banger TV, for example, or from the fabulous band called Smolder. So I was dying to talk to you because I really enjoy what you do on Banger and I really love your band. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me today. <laughs> so did you grow up in Toronto? Because you're in Toronto right now. Did you grow up in Toronto? No. Um, I've kind of like lived in a lot of places, um, but grew up in Calgary um, and have lived in uh, the States and in uh, Finland as well. And uh, now um, Vincent and I, the guitarist of Smolder, um, we live in Toronto. We moved here multiple years ago um, just to like do band stuff. And uh, it was a very good call and we should have come here much sooner. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, the, the big city. But did you, did I see you say something about you might be moving back to Finland? Yeah, yeah. We're planning on moving to Finland um, once we get vaccinated. Uh, I've been wanting to live there like permanently for most of my life. But uh, yeah, it's now it's just kind of ready to, like, we're ready to go. Um, I think, like, the thing is, is that, like, Smolder got to a place where we exploded in Europe in particular. Touring in Europe is just like so much more feasible for our style of band. Um, right. And like doing it affordably and all that stuff. And not only that, but you know, like I want to live in a country that actually has free healthcare um, and other things like that and a really high standard of living. And Finland is really beautiful. And 74% of the country is covered in forest and uh, all their forests is protected. And um, not only that, but like I'm really outdoorsy and super like physically fit and they have like a cultural concept called uh yoka miehen oikeodet and it basically means um every man's rights and it means that every person who lives in finland has the right to engage with the outdoors um free uh as long as they have like a healthy relationship with the outdoors so like there's something like 40 national parks in finland and camping and hiking you don't need permits you just have to like you have this like there's a cultural contract of like keeping the parks clean and right. like leaving them as you came in. So for me, who like like Vincent and I spend a lot of time hiking and uh, biking and kayaking and swimming and like doing all that other kind of stuff. So was really um, I'm really yeah drawn to that specifically. <laughs> so so well, I guess being Canadian, you're not going to mind the weather. Yeah, I mean I, I've lived there um, throughout the winter before. It's it's different. It's colder, but um, I actually really like the snow and. Like the number one thing that I miss after moving from Alberta to Ontario is just snowboarding in Ontario sucks and uh, <laughs> Finland does not. So I'm stoked that, you know, we'll be close to, um, you know, good snowboarding again very soon. Yeah. So um, you spoke a little bit of Finnish. That was going to be my next question. Do you speak Finnish? Uh, not fluently yet, but both of us are um, going pretty hardcore into like learning it. So uh, I hear it's a hard language. Oh yeah, it's very difficult. It's uh, it's apparently like one of the top five most difficult languages in the world. It's only got commonalities um with Estonian and Latvian, 
um, there's 15 or 17, I can't remember what the exact number is, conjugations per word. Uh, the words have no gender, though. Um, so that like, it, it's really interesting, like looking at it versus looking at like, you know, French, for example, because like, I spoke French until or I learned studied French until university. Um, and like, you know, French, French has like a pretty consistent standard of rules. And you see that in right. a lot of romantic languages, but like Finnish is just wild because um, every word uh, changes according to who the word is being applied to. So like, if you were to say, I clean the house versus we clean the house or they clean the house or you clean the house, it changes the word clean in every single context. Oh, that's so, weird. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's been interesting. It's a challenge, but you know, that's I, I want to. Cool, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I, it also looks like it's hard to, would be hard to read and write it as well. I mean, I, like, it's kind of, I think those things go hand in hand. Like, you learn a new language and, the best way of learning it is by learning how to read, write, and speak it simultaneously. Um, but yeah, we're using Duolingo because they finally added Finnish to the app like last year. Oh, nice. Leaving it off and prioritizing, uh, you know, languages like Dothraki above Finnish. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> so now it's there. That's <laughs> funny. But like we're, we're doing it. And I mean, we have tons of friends and family who are like practicing with and each other. So it's helpful. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, what about the rest of does the rest of the band moving to Finland as well? No, we're I mean, we've always like been international. We when we like when Sean and I first formed the band, uh, it was obviously just the two of us. And then we moved here and got two American members and then um, had an American bassist for the first recording and then got a Toronto bassist. But like we always were based in Canada and the U.S. So like having another country just doesn't really seem super relevant, you know? Um, obviously we don't know exactly how that's going to all fall together, but you know, like we already have two bandmates in another country. Um, so it just doesn't feel like it's that big of a deal, you know? Well, well now with the lockdown and everything, I mean, everybody's sort of found out that you can do a lot of stuff remotely. <laughs> yeah. A lot of stuff you didn't know you could do remotely, you can do remotely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we were already doing the band remotely. So like that didn't really change much. I think the only thing it so far, obviously, I mean, it's changed a lot of things, but for the band, like it, yeah, it didn't change anything about how we're writing. So, you know, we're almost done for second album and um, nice, you know, we have nice. Like, time to work on music like every other you know artist has been spending lots of time on art <laughs> right right so when you were growing up were you like in a bunch of bands were you always in bands were you like in chorus and all of that um not really um I mean growing up like I was always in the punk like metal hardcore scene from a very young age like me and all my girlfriends uh in like high school I think it was grade 10 when we started going to like all ages shows and stuff and I was more drawn to um like the organizational elements like writing about music and interviewing bands and reviewing bands and stuff like that and uh I mean I started playing drums when I was like I don't know it must have been like 20 but I never really practiced that seriously until Vincent and I started jamming um and then it kind of just like I mean, I was in a punk band for a while before Smolder, uh, which was pretty, pretty funny um, and now lives on in a really different format and is really cool and based in Calgary. Um, but yeah, it was always like I was a metal journalist and like an artist in some fashion. But, you know, I think for a long time, I just didn't want to be a singer specifically because um, I grew up, I was in choir, I was 
you know, a kid from like a very religious family. So like church choir and those types of things. And eventually just like kind of realized that, uh, you know, I could, I could sing and that would be okay. And it took a long time to kind of get comfortable with that for Smolder because I was the drummer for the first five years of the band. And then when we moved here and we realized that we could barely afford rent, let alone renting a jam space for my drums and for the band, like we kind of realized we needed to kind of jiggy the band around a little bit, especially because like I was at that point starting to sing and to drum and singing and drumming at the same time is like very difficult. difficult. So I just kind of was like, all right, it's time to focus on singing. Um, and it seems like that worked out. <laughs> yes, you have a great voice, actually, and it suits the, the genre. Thank you. Why Epic Doom? I mean, why not? But Well, uh, I agree with you, but <laughs> I mean... I don't know. I mean, like, when when Sean and I started jamming in Calgary, the, the one thing that we really agreed on was just, you know, Calgary had... They had a, a Doom scene, but it was all Stoner Doom. And I, like, at that point, I think it was probably, like, 24, 25 when we started the band, maybe younger. And I was just like, I am so sick of Stoner Doom. Like, it's just all the same shit. Everyone's yeah. got the same vintage orange jams. Everyone's got the same fucking bell bottoms. And I just, like, did not want to participate in that. And so, like, Sean and I, we used to, you know, make each other, like, mixtapes and share records and CDs and all that other kind of stuff. And then one night we were at a friend's place um, who, incidentally, are in, like, a sludge stoner doom band. Um, <laughs> and we decided to jam. And then we were both like, well, we want to do, you know, a doom metal band, like a, a classic true metal, like, Circle of True Doom, Reverend Bazaar style uh, metal band. And then that eventually like morphed into Epic Doom, like the, you know, a la like Candlemas procession kind of stuff. And yeah, I mean, both of us are like really into True Doom, Epic Doom, power metal, uh, heavy metal, but like very specific types of all of the above. So it's just, yeah, that's kind of like all of those came together in Smolder. And I've, I've actually really enjoyed it. I feel like we're not really pigeonholed into a single genre. So like our music is power metal, it's speed metal, it's epic metal, it's epic doom metal. Um, and we can kind of like flirt between all those genres because mm-hmm. they're so closely interrelated. So absolutely, absolutely. So tell me how you got involved with Banger. That looks like a fun place to work. Yeah. Um, so before I moved to Toronto, I actually applied. I like went on their website and just threw up a resume into a contact form and I never heard from them. Um, and then moved to Toronto, started working at a record label. Um, and then I think about six months after that, I got a message from one of my old, um, colleagues, uh, Natalie, uh, Zena Walshots, who's now an author. Um, she just put out a book actually, that's like really good called Hench. People should read it. It's really cool. Um, but Natalie was like, Oh yeah, I recommended you to be a reviewer because Banger is looking for reviewers. And then, uh, Banger got in contact and asked me to do an edition and I did it and they were really happy with it. So it just kind of like moved forward from there. Um, it was just like one of those things, just like, you know, Smolder exploding really quickly and Banger asking me to work for them and like working at a record label where I was like, shit, I should have moved to Toronto years ago. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everything happens at once, right? <laughs> everything just happens at once. So you went to university. So did you go to school for to to write like communications or? Yeah, I have a master's degree in communications. Um and I wrote my master's thesis, actually, on the experience of female musicians in black metal, death metal, doom metal, and grindcore. I ended up writing a book, like a, well, maybe not a book, but like a 200-page thesis on it. Wow. Yeah, it was intense. 
So I have a master's in, in communications, um, which is, you know, synonymous with like a master's in uh, philosophy, because that's how they kind of delineate like the, the strain. But yeah, yeah. That's awesome. That's, that's really good. So do you think that down the road, you're going to write a book? Uh, I mean, I'd like to not about, um, not about gender, but about other things, but I don't want to talk about it because I know <laughs> that like metal books are like, you know, like th there's some genres have been really covered really well by like very fantastic books and other genres I think have kind of, um, fallen by the wayside. And yeah, I'd like to write something in the future. Um, but it's hard to find the time. So it's kind of just like, yeah. Well, yeah so um do you still write for other magazines or yeah i mean i write for decibel um and i write for Bandcamp as well um and then like do stuff for banger uh and yeah like occasionally i'll get asked to do liner notes like right now um i'm working on some liner notes for pagan altar and like I've done stuff wow. for them and like another band as well that i can't mention because it's not public knowledge yet so yeah like i I'm really lucky that I'm like at this stage in my career where I only have to say yes to things that interest me. Um, cause that was not the case. <laughs> right. Yeah. Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. I slogged through like a lot of, a lot of writing about a lot of bands that I do not give a shit about. <laughs> well, it's better than, you know, writing about, you know, really something that you don't give a shit about, you know, you know, something totally mundane. At least it was still in, in there, in your wheelhouse. Totally. I mean, like, that's why I have such an encyclopedia, like encyclopedic knowledge of heavy metal is because like, you know, for for the better part of like, eight to 10 years, I was writing like 10 articles a month on 10 heavy metal bands. Like, that gives you a lot of context and yeah. history and like, you know, music, and heavy metal. So yeah, I definitely don't regret it. I just think it's funny about how many times I've written about, you know, a band like Amon Amarth, who I like, could not give a single shit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so when I see you at home doing your your reviews from home, I see that you have a large uh, record collection, music collection. When did you start collecting? Um, probably when I was fourteen. Um, yeah, like I, I mean, I I have a lot of records, a lot of cassettes, and a lot of um CDs. And that was actually more stressful than getting married. Um, itself was like merging our music collection. <laughs> There's like post-it notes on them just in case yes. we get divorced. <laughs> we can split up the collection without paying it together. Um, get a, you can yeah. get a prenup for the, uh, for yeah, the, for the final. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, like I started collecting a long time ago. Like one of the, I mean, in high school, I had like high school jobs like everybody else did. I, I babysat and then I worked at a McDonald's and I just remember like every week or every second week I got like my paycheck on a Friday and then me and all my girlfriends would go to A&B Sound, which was like a CD yeah. store um, in Calgary. Mm -hmm. Just like buy a dozen CDs. And like, I mean, I, 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 I like churn things through my collection a lot. I sell a lot of stuff. Like if I don't, if I buy something and I am not into it and I like consistently yeah. don't listen to it, then I'll just sell it. So I think now it's like, because I do that, I like everything I buy and sell like, feeds into my collection more and more like and we're you know leaving the country pretty soon it's like we have a very very specifically awesome amazing collection um and it's good it's like every single record that i pull out i'm like yeah this record fucking rules <laughs> you know it's like yeah. one of those records that you're just like holy shit i'm glad i own this <laughs> 
So when did you, because you do cassette cult, which I love, but it's interesting to me because you're quite a bit younger than me. And like cassettes were a thing when I was growing up, but not really people around your age. You know, I mean, they're coming back now, but it didn't used to be that way. Yeah, I mean, cassettes are weird because like, so in the mid 2000s at that point, you know, I started writing and going to heavy metal shows and like photographing and all that other stuff. Must have been like 2005. So around 2005, like I really was really hardcore into like underground heavy metal. And I was collecting really hardcore at that point and doing lots of like trading and stuff. And a couple of the old school metal dudes in Calgary who were like, you know, 10, 20, 30 years older than me were like, hey, I have like a big bag of cassettes. It's mostly death and black metal. Do you want them? And I'd be like, Fuck yes, I want them. Nice. I had yeah. like, this this awful old like Mazda XC or no, it was yeah, it was a Mazda I think XC70 or maybe I'm mixing up my my old cars, but I had this Mazda truck with a tape deck in it, and at that point like I was you know I'd, I'd be able to like drive around the city and like one of my buddies um who was in the really sick death metal band uh, Disciples of Power like. For example, he gave me like a bag full of cassettes and I was like, oh shit, like what is this? And it would be stuff like Entombed and Grave and Revenge and like all these metal bands that I was like, oh, this is cool. And then I started kind of like diving into it because the thing is, is like vinyl started increasing in price. Yes. No, probably 2010 was around the time. So prior to 2010, I would go to this record store in Calgary called Recordland. You'd bring $100 and you'd come out with 10 records. But right. then records started getting trendy and then the price of them started skyrocketing up. Right. So I was like, fuck this. Cassettes are $5 a pop. Like this is way better than bringing a hundred dollars and getting three records. Like if I bring a hundred dollars, I can get 20 cassettes. And <laughs> like killer old school, you know, death metal, doom metal, grindcore, all this other kind of stuff. Right. So I just got like interested in it from like a format perspective. Um, but like, you know, I've, I, I, I've worked at a, a, a CD store, um, I've worked at um, a record store. I've um, I worked at a record pressing plant um, for like a good year. And so like all the formats to me, like there's a huge history in like music formats and how that's um, changing historically. And I'm really interested in it. Um, just having like worked in all the different facets of the music industry that I have. Um, I, it's like even that I would write a book on that, on how music formats have changed the history of heavy metal. Um, just because like so much of heavy metal history has been changed mm -hmm. by the wars. And I just, I find it really interesting. And I mean, I think a lot of people know this about me, but I, I absolutely loathe Spotify. Um, I work for Bandcamp, so like full disclosure, I'm biased, but, um, the whole like switch to digital in recent years has really hurt artists. Um, yes. and Spotify is like a very unethical company who's like providing these like minuscule payouts. And I find that shitty. So it's like, to me, I'm like any format that is cheap to produce, easy for bands to ship is a good format and cassettes, you know, they started getting popular and trendy again at a time when records were starting to skyrocket in price. So it was harder for bands uh, who were new to kind of like compete on that market when everything right. was reissued and everything was right. costing a lot of money. So like, I, I'm, I like the spot where we're at right now, where I think that like, you know, at least in heavy metal, the underground, it's like people expect there to be a digital edition, a CD edition, a cassette edition and a vinyl edition. And I think it's good. Like whatever helps bands sell music, you know, whatever gets them in the hands of like 
music fanatics is a good thing. So like right. I'm all for it. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I agree. And I love the physical, um, you know, the physical, um, you know, I don't, I mean, I have, you know, I listen to some stuff online if I'm, you know, if I'm on the subway, if it's on my phone or whatever. But I, when I'm home, I want to like listen to my albums or my CDs or my cassettes or, you know what I mean? I want the physical. I still enjoy that whole flipping the album and reading the liner notes and, you know, that whole experience of it, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely, definitely have that as well. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so are you going to be, you can be, you have your, you have a kitty, right? Cause I have a kitty who's banging around the kitchen right now. Yeah. A- yeah. Can- we have a cat. Um, it's quite popular with Smolder fans, it seems. <laughs> yes. What is your kitty's name? Odin. Odin. Yes. Odin. 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 Yeah. He is an adoptee. I got him at the SPCA like 10 years ago, and now he is my fine, fluffy, fluffy, ugh, fine, fluffy best friend of 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. That's so nice. Now, do you have to, um, do you have to quarantine him when you take him to Finland and all that? Because I looked into, um, possibly going to the UK with my cat and it's like a whole thing where they should be quarantined for three months. And Yeah. So the UK actually has like stricter rules. Yeah, and crazy. I know that specifically because growing up, we had a next door neighbor who had immigrated from uh, the United Kingdom, an entire family who had brought their four dogs, which I thought was insane. But I was like, okay, good for you. That's good. They're your pets. You keep them. But yeah, like we looked into it and um, the rules are actually relatively reasonable. Um, for Canada, at least. I can't speak to, like, what the rules are for the rest of the world. But, I mean, he's coming with us. Like, even if I had to fill out a thousand pieces of paper. Yeah, right. For three months, he's still coming, so. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So, what does your family think about your line of work? Are they hoping for <laughs> you to maybe get a real job? You know, become a nurse or something? A nurse. Um, <laughs> oh, I mean, like, my, like, I don't think... I mean, maybe when I was younger or when I was like struggling in any way, maybe they had thoughts about it back then. But I mean, I do have a real job. Like I work for Bandcamp. Um, well, I, yeah. Like I have like a master's degree. Um, of course, I'm like still the black sheep of the family in like some <laughs> ways. But like, you know. I, but I, you're I, not though. I mean, you got a master's degree and everything. I mean, I love to hear about people in our community that are well educated because I think that people think often think that we're all a bunch of meatheads, you know, and I love, I love to, to, you know, to, to show people that we're, you know, that we're educated and we can string sentences together. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's a historical thing in heavy metal that I think, uh, yeah, I think some people are confused about that. (laughs) Yeah. They still think we're all Beavis and Butthead, but (laughs) yeah, uh, yeah, so that's, I think that's great. And I, you know, I, I mean, I think it's, I think it's a fantastic job and, you know, as long as you can make a living doing it, what you love, I think that it's, that it's great. So what do you think about, um, the term female fronted band? Are you cool with that? Are you offended by it or? not offended by it it just doesn't say anything yeah i i'm not it's like a, it's yeah, like a male fronted like what does that mean that right mean right right it sounds like so exactly I, I just i i mean i don't think it's i don't i don't like it because i just don't think it's it it it, it provide like you said it doesn't provide you any information about the band and i think that it you know, you're, you're just sort of selling that person short because, you know, either they can sing or they can't sing or they can play their instrument or they can't. 
and you don't say male fronted or, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a marketing tool. Um, and like, that's the thing. Um, you know, when, when, when Smolder got together, I very specifically never used it. Um, because I was like, you know what? Like I, when I think of like female fronted, like my idea in my head, I'm like, oh, well, Mythic's female fronted and Thor's hammer is female fronted. And so is like Warlock and Girl School and, you know, like right. what, what are those, what are those bands have in common? Like not, next to nothing, <laughs> you know? Exactly. Like, exactly. For, to me, it's just like, you know, part of like normalization of heavy metal because like we can't pretend that heavy metal doesn't skew heavily, heavily towards like heterosexual white males. Like that right. is what heavy metal has been traditionally like made up of, you know, but uh, I think, I think it is good that heavy metal is, is increasingly opening up space for people who don't happen to be, heterosexual white men <laughs> yeah me too i mean i definitely think that um in the last few years it's definitely become more inclusive which i which i very much love i very much love seeing that because um you know when i started out you know in the late 70s you know you didn't really when you went to shows you didn't really see any, any mix of people and i can remember going early on going to a rush show and you know there was probably like six girls in the whole room you know <laughs> There wasn't yeah. a lot, you know, there wasn't a lot of that. Or even like if you went, when I would go to like extreme metal shows in the 80s, you know, um, th there was not really a lot of women, never mind being on stage. There just wasn't even anybody in the audience. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, that's like, that's kind of, um, you know, I think if we take like a, a look at historically the numbers, which are difficult, obviously, to like obtain, like we're, we're just not numerically very, um, numerous. Um, yet, you know, we don't, um, I don't think we want to be defined by that or, you know, it to be the only topic of conversation when it comes to, um, the music and art that we're making and that we enjoy, you know. I agree. I agree. So what is next? So now that you've been home with the pandemic and everything, and I, and I know that you've had a lot of shows that have been canceled. Have you had shows get rescheduled? Yeah, I mean, I think everything's kind of on like a maybe, maybe this will happen next year kind of thing. Like we've had a couple things, um, like basically festivals be like, hey, like, will you play in 2022? And we're just like, yeah, of course, if we're all vaccinated and if things are safe to travel again, you know, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't really like, I mean, I, I, I think being stuck in Greece when the travel ban hit and having gone through like quite a lot in the last year, just like everybody else in the entire world has. Um, I'm trying like not to get my hopes up too high about mm. like how quick vaccine rollout's going to happen and all that other stuff, because like we do have to consider um, the fact that, you know, uh, like the richest nations in the world are getting vaccinated first. And that means that a lot of people are going to be still at risk um, in the years to come, um, mm. which is, you know, that's a whole other conversation about like vaccine and like economic inequity um, that I think needs to be had. Absolutely. Now I agree with you. I agree with you on that. Um, we're, I mean, the U S I'm here, I'm in Boston and um, like I, I live in a very progressive I live in the state of Massachusetts, which is a very progressive state and they're zipping right along. Um, they, they estimate that by uh, June, anybody who wants to get vaccinated will be able to get vaccinated in the state. So yeah, I mean, you you all are um, much faster along than Canada is. Um, we're kind of at this point where we're being told that it's possible that everyone will be vaccinated by November, but it's unclear. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I just, I'm not, I'm trying not to like pin down a date and just make plans and just, yeah. you know, like the pandemic is hard enough. Um, right. like keeping your expectations in check from like a mental health perspective, I think is a very valuable. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Because like I, um, I was supposed to go in 2020, I was supposed to go to Australia, New Zealand. And of course that didn't happen. I was sort of download that didn't happen. Then I was going to go to download this year that didn't happen. And so it's now it's just sort of like, you know, you, you're tentatively dipping your toe into 2022 and, you know, you're sort of waiting to see what happens, you know, and my friend's telling me about this. Um, I have an opportunity to maybe go to um, a festival in Mexico in October, but, it, you know, it's like, let's just wait and see what happens. Because even if they have it, I might not even be able to get into the country. You know, it's a whole thing. It's Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think like this has been a roller coaster for everybody for over a year um, and that the healthiest and like sanest and like most, most like self care thing that we can do is just like realize that we're kind of like hunkered in for the long haul and that we don't have any guarantees right now. And that like, until we know for sure that maybe holding off is the best bet. (laughs) Right. Right. So I guess it's, uh, I guess it's really good that, um, that, you know, the band isn't your only gig because, you can still write at home. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, obviously I'm really sad that we didn't get to play all this. Obviously, yeah. would awesome. Um, but yeah, like it's not the only thing in my life. Um, and heavy metal is not the only thing in my life. Like I have a lot of interests and we've been lucky. Like I I've said this, um, you know, to my husband, like so many times it's like, yes, like this year has been hard, but like, we're super privileged. Like we still have jobs and like, we have, you know, we're able to pay our rent. And like a lot of people are not in that position right now. Exactly. Exactly. No, I mean, I'm, I'm the same way. I have a job and I've worked, I worked through the entire pandemic and, um, and I've been super fortunate and, and that's really how I feel as well that, um, I've been very, very fortunate with that. So what is your, dream for smolder where where do you see smolder going and where's what's your dream gig you you are you headlining Bakken? Uh, no no we're <laughs> never gonna be that popular and i'm okay with that like we're an underground heavy metal band um you know you're not like, that underground though i don't think are you really that underground uh i mean i think in the grads i mean we're not like you know like some of the some bands are huge like i, I think about well, you know like the bands that are touring um, and playing like thousand person venues. Like we're not Cannibal Corpse or, you know, like I'm thinking of Metal Blade bands right now, but we're not Cannibal Corpse. We're not fucking Amon Amarth or Clutch or something like that. We're not Neurosis. We're not Ghost. We're not, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and we don't want to be that. Like we, um, everyone in the bands is in a happy, healthy, committed relationship. Um, we like being home. Uh, we, we don't want to tour constantly. Touring is exhausting. Like I, mm-hmm. I did that in like the early 2010s, um, with some other bands and, you know, like I don't want to spend 92 to 200 days a year on the road. Like that's not appealing to me. Like I'm in my thirties. Um, I have a job that I love. I, you know, I'm right. in a relationship like, and in a band with like my best friend, you know, so, and my husband. So, um, yeah, like our, our dream is just to like, you know, it'd be nice, obviously, to once we move to Europe, I really want to do some touring, like big tours. I'd love to to tour with like, 
you know, bands like Duel or like Coven or Dathua or, you know, Grendel's sister or Voivod, you know, like those kinds of tours I'd be happy right. to do. Like, I'd love to do some like theater shows. I think that that would be really sick. But like, I'm really happy and proud of like where, how much we've exploded in the past, you know, couple of years. And, um, you know, like one of the main things about making music, it's like, it's very difficult to be a musician full time, um, and have like a consistent, steady salary. Right. And I don't want to be a full time musician. Like I, like I'm a full time artist, you know, like I write about heavy metal and I make heavy metal and I paint and I, you know, like work at Bandcamp and like that to me is like fulfilling to be able to do multiple things simultaneously. So, um, I just, I want to keep that up and spend as much time outside. And, you know, if the next Smolder album, um, explodes beyond what the first one did, which I think it will because it's better than the first one. And we're really happy with where it's going. Cause it's like, it's sounding like really solid and, um, yeah, we're really excited about it. So we're just going to wait until the pandemic is over. Um, and then we'll release it and then we'll go from there. Oh, I was just going to ask you when you were, when you thought you were going to release it, you're just going to hold on to it. Yeah. We're going to wait until the pandemic ends. Um, it's too hard right now for musicians releasing albums. Um, it's been difficult, like watching a lot of friends, um, and colleagues and, you know, like people in the industry kind of go through this, like, Hey, like, it's really hard to get any attention for an album right now. And I'm like, yeah, it is. We're going through something that's like more important than an album, you know? So People are distracted and they're sad and they're um, angry and they're, you know, they have other priorities right now. So we don't want to we don't want to blow an album release on 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 the pandemic. It's just like, you know, it it already kicked us in the face um, one time. We're not going to let it kick us in the face. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, I, you know, I watch a lot of like um, YouTube, like um, uh, vinyl collector um, YouTube channels and stuff. And I mean, I you guys are getting mentioned. I mean, I, I was pleasantly surprised at, um, the amount of people who, um, were throwing your name out there. So you're definitely, um, a little, I think a little bigger than underground. Yeah. I mean, we're getting there. I mean, obviously it would be like really cool to, you know, have uh sure if we're gonna go pie in the sky like it'd be awesome if people paid me to full-time make smaller music (laughs) that'd be fantastic as long as i don't like you know i don't want to be pulled into like the rigmarole of like constant touring it's just it's too much like well it's a lot and then you you would you wouldn't get to see your kitty (laughs) yeah well that and i wouldn't get to sit quietly by myself and just like drink coffee and not talk to anyone (laughs) generally my favorite thing to do (laughs) that is generally too well i'm not going to keep you i told you i would keep this short and sweet but i cannot thank you enough um i really enjoyed speaking with you i just think that you are a very interesting and uh intelligent woman and i just wish you all the best because i just think that you're fantastic Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Melissa. Um, yeah, if you need anything else, just like don't hesitate to send me a message or whatnot and let me know when this uh, goes live. I sure will do that. Cool. Okay. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>